is a visible sermon. And here in the sacrament excels the word preached. The word is a trumpet to proclaim Christ. The sacrament is a glass to represent him. Now, I don't know what you think of the Lord's Supper exactly. I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you think it's just a religious ceremony, something that we do week in and week out. Is it just a, a way that we remember Jesus, a kind of nice thing that we, we do for him? Is it a means of grace? A place through which the Lord changes us? Maybe you know exactly what it is. And you're just delighted to be reminded this morning. Maybe you're here and you have absolutely no idea and you're just waiting for me to tell you. Maybe you've been partaking of the Lord's Supper your entire life and you're missing something. No matter who you are, Christ has something profound to show and give us in this bread and this cup this morning. So if you'd please open your word, your scriptures to Matthew chapter 26. We'll be looking at verses 26 through 29. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. It'll be on the screens. Please open up your word this morning. This is the word of the Lord. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask for the Spirit's assistance this morning. Gracious the most merciful God, Holy Spirit who gives light and life to all men, open our minds and our hearts this morning to receive what you have to say and, Lord, what you present in the Lord's Supper. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For about 400 years, Israel was held captive as slaves in Egypt. But all of that changed in one night. In Exodus 12, we read that the Lord commanded the people to get themselves ready, right? Moses has been around for a little bit. There have been some crazy plagues that have exclusively affected the Egyptians. But that was all coming to a head. Everything was about to change. Each house was told to get a lamb, to kill it, to eat it and to take its blood 
and to put it on the doorpost of their homes, to put the blood of the Lamb on their houses. That when the angel of the Lord was going to pass through Egypt, killing the firstborn of each house that was not covered by the blood of the Lamb, the firstborn of all of even the animals, as God was executing judgment on the gods of Egypt, he would pass over those houses that were covered by the blood of the Lamb. So year after year, Israel was commanded to celebrate the Passover, to remember Yahweh's rescuing them out of captivity in Egypt, to celebrate his passing over the houses covered by the blood of the Lamb. This is the context in which we find Jesus with his disciples, eating and celebrating the Passover. But Jesus does something new. We read verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So having just taken the bread of the Passover, Jesus begins by taking some more bread. And he, he, ble- he, he takes ordinary bread, and he sets it aside for a special use. He blesses it. He gives it up to God. He thanks him for it. He breaks it, tearing the loaf, and he gives it to his disciples. Now they might have wondered, what is this loaf? What is, what is this bread, Jesus? What are we doing now? Well, Jesus says, take, eat. This is my body. Now, fresh in the disciples' mind would have been the Passover bread, the bread of affliction. It was an unleavened bread that the Israelites ate at the Passover to remember their fleeing Egypt. It was unleavened because there was no time to leaven, because they had to be ready. They had to leave as they were exiting out of Egypt, as God was bringing them in exodus from slavery to the Egyptians. But Jesus says, this bread, this bread is my body, a symbol of his body given to his disciples. Really, it's a symbol of a new exodus. A new exodus from slavery to sin. And it was a picture of what was about to happen to Christ's body in order to make that happen. Christ blesses the bread, right? He takes it. He blesses it. He sets it apart for this meal. And in this way, Christ himself was blessed and set aside for his work in salvation in this new exodus. Jesus breaks the loaf. In this we see Christ's body broken. That soon it would be torn apart. That his flesh would tear. Not only would he be brutally tortured, 
But as he was set on that Roman cross, nails would be driven through his flesh, tearing it, ripping apart the ligaments in his hands, in his feet, a brutal and bloody image. He would bleed and he would suffocate as he hung on that Roman cross. His body would be broken. And he gives the bread to his disciples that his body, broken on that cross, was being given to his people. But not only to his disciples, but his body was being given to the world. That the Son of God was going to suffer a most excruciating death to inaugurate a new exodus for a new people from sin, from slavery to sin. This is what Christ has done to save his people from sin. He was set apart. His body was broken. And it was given to his own. This is what the bread symbolizes. So this morning, when we eat of this bread, reflect on Christ's words. Take, eat, this is my body. This is Christ's command to you. Do not regard this meal lightly. It is not something that we choose to partake of or not to choose to partake of. But Christ says, take, eat. The command is clear. Christ presents to us each Lord's Day his broken body to eat, to partake of. What would Christ say if, on, if he were to ask us, where were you when my body was presented to you and you did not partake of it? It's a strange thing to neglect such an important gift, to neglect Christ's command to take, eat of his body. So, friends, let us be attentive to Christ's command to eat the bread. Take, eat, this is my body. Friends, this is Christ's body given to you to be received by faith. Right? These words, this is my body, has been subject to much speculation and much controversy over the centuries. Right? No subject had more ink spilled during the Reformation than on this subject. What happens at the Lord's Supper? When Jesus says, this is my body, we must not take that to mean his literal flesh. As if the bread somehow changes into something other than what it is. Rather, Jesus is using a related concept to express something larger than it. Right? It's like if I, I said, hey, check out my new ride. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a car or a motorcycle, right? Right? Check out my new ride. It's a related concept to refer to an object, to refer to something. 
And in this we see that the bread is his body. Right? Not changed, but also not an empty symbol. Not merely bread. Because in it, it carries all of what God intends in the breaking of Christ's body in his passion. So it's not Christ's literal flesh, but it's not a mere symbol. By faith, the Spirit makes Christ's presence real to us in the bread during this meal. When we take the bread by faith, we know that there is an intimate union between the bread and the body of Christ. And in so many ways, when we talk about the supper, this is why we don't just say bread. We say, this is his body. Because the bread is the body of Christ. So this morning, when you, give, when you are given this bread, by faith, hold on to Christ's words. That the bread is a real symbol of his body. And when you bite down on the bread, we sense and experience and taste his body broken for us. Take, eat, this is my body. This is God's gift for you to feed and sustain you as long as you live. God is such a good God. Amen? And he gives such good gifts. And he speaks to us in ways that we can understand. Now, we might be able to go to Wegmans. I don't know, bread prices these days. Inflation. You might be able to pick up a loaf for three fifty, maybe four fifty, if it's that garlic Tuscan. Right? Pick up a loaf. Right? But bread has always been a symbol for life-sustaining sustenance. Right? Even if you were to meet a starving man and you gave him bread, what delight he would have and experience. It's fitting that God would use bread to communicate to us the body of his son. Because just as bread gives and sustains life, so Jesus gives us his body and sustains our life of faith here in this life. Jesus, just as the, the bread of affliction sustained the Israelites as they fled Egypt, so this bread sustains our faith as we flee from sin. So friends, let us confess our dependence on God this morning. But let's celebrate because Christ gives us his body to sustain us. Brothers and sisters, when you hear the words this morning, take, eat, this is my body, do so obediently and in faith, looking forward to Christ's sustaining work in your life. Now, Emil, is it really truly a meal without something to drink? We go on. 
much like the bread, Jesus now takes a cup. And he gives thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. Now the disciples certainly, as with the bread of affliction, had in their minds the cups that they drank during the Passover. The four cups of wine. Symbols of God's promises to deliver the people out of slavery. But Jesus says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In the old covenant, there was blood everywhere on so many occasions. There were laws concerning blood. And blood is really a, a synonym for life itself. That life was given in sacrifice when the blood was drained from an animal. And in these things, in these sacrifices, with this blood, was shown the imbalance between a holy God and sinners. Because of sin, God requires blood for life. The author of the Hebrew says this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And we see the old covenant itself established with Israel was a bloody affair when God entered into relationship with the people of Israel at Sinai. We read in Exodus 24, 8, and when Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that, is, that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Relationship with God requires blood. So we come to Christ's words. Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. With this cup, Christ is speaking of a new covenant, of a new relationship with God, one that was not being established with the blood of bulls and goats, but with Christ's blood, the blood of the Son of God. In the Old Covenant, there were many sacrifices. But those sacrifices had to be made year after year after year. And in this, each year was a reminder that sins were not ultimately forgiven. That sin still abided with the people. So we have to ask, what's going to make the difference? Is there anything that will fully satisfy the chasm between a holy God and sinful people? But praise God, every drop of blood spilled in the Old Covenant always pointed forward to the need for blood that carried with it infinite value. And that that was going to be fulfilled. Jesus says his blood of the covenant is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The pouring out of the blood of Christ brought about 
the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ establishes peace between a holy God and sinful people. And this phrase, the forgiveness of sins, carries with it the fullness, the totality of our salvation. The salvation brought about by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ is our justification. That is those sin-stained, washed in the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're presented to do God as not guilty, forgiven. The blood of Christ is our adoption. That those covered in the blood of Christ are made brothers and sisters of the eternal Son and sons and daughters of the eternal God. The blood of Christ is our sanctification. That Christ's blood washes his people. He washes us. It cleanses us. It causes us to turn from sin to righteousness. It transforms us as people. And the blood of Christ is our glorification. It has secured the people of God a place in glory. To sin no more in the face of God. To live with the Lord forever. Friends, as we sing often that one hymn, when we sing, Dear dying Lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. So friends, as you come, and you come and you drink of this this morning, drink of it, all of you, and remember Christ's blood was poured out for you. This is what it took. The death of the Son of God, the pouring out of His blood, the giving up of His life for your life. That like the bread, this is a symbol of Christ's blood, but it is intimately related with the blood of Christ. That the Spirit makes the benefits of Christ sensible to you. It makes the blood of Christ sensible to you as you partake of this cup this morning. I just love Bernard of Clairvaux's words when he says, The great clusters of my body was taken to the winepress of the cross for thy salvation. And from it was pressed the new wine of thy redemption. Friends, drink of it, all of you, and rest assured in the power of Christ's blood. That not one drop of this blood fails to save those for whom it was intended. That Christ's blood is effective to always bring about salvation for his people. Christ's blood given for you in this cup should bring you sweet comfort in this life. Because it's effective to save you from your sins. Friends, drink of it, all of you. And celebrate the joy of salvation. Wine does that, doesn't it? Makes one joyous, 
even David says in the 104th Psalm, right? God gives wine to make the heart glad. Wine does that. It makes the heart glad. Just as bread sustains life, wine makes the heart joyful. So what joy we should have when we partake of this cup, that God intends joy for us in the blood of Christ, that this is not a sullen and sad meal, but a joyous one, one to raise our hearts and our affections to the God who shed his blood to forgive us of all of our sins, to give us an eternal joy and eternal happiness. Disciples of Christ, Renovation Church, brothers and sisters, this morning when you hear the words of Christ, drink of it, all of you, do for it. Do so joyfully, resting assured in the power of the blood of Christ's covenant to forgive you of all of your sins. Now we know these things in hindsight. Right? We know these things to, to be true, that the bread and wine are intended for these purposes as we look back on the Lord's Supper. But the disciples are sitting around this table, and they're still waiting for Christ to be crucified. They, in some senses, are still dull to what's about to happen. We know Jesus has slowly but surely revealed over time that he would die, how he was going to die, and that one of his own would betray him. But now even here, he gives these visible symbols in the Passover, symbols of his body and his blood, such graphic images. Might be wondering, the disciples might be wondering, if he's going to die, what about the future? Where is this all going? What do you mean, Jesus? I wonder if you maybe have thought the same thing. Is we eat the supper by faith, not by sight. Praise God, it's a visible image. Speak who under, to, to speak to people who understand visible things. And yet, we know that we are not eating this with Jesus in the way that we wish we could. Will we ever eat with the Lord by sight? Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Friends, the future is nothing but certain concerning Christ's promises, concerning the meal that we will eat with him in his Father's kingdom, in glory. Christ closes this meal with these words, to raise the disciple, disciples and our sadness to hopeful expectation. 
that Christ's work has secured for the people of God a seat at God's feast in eternity. And we must not think that this meal or any other meal really is just a mere getting together for food. But in the scriptures and in the ancient world, a meal was a sign of friendship, of fellowship. So that when we come and partake of this meal, we experience and participate in friendship with God. And that God participates in friendship with us. Jesus says, I will drink again with you as eternal friends. So when we come to eat this meal this morning, by faith we experience that future meal and friendship with the Lord. And in some senses, in every sense rather, we are eating and anticipating the fullness of of friendship with God as well. Not only that, but he will drink the cup with us again in his Father's kingdom. Right? The disciples saw Jesus again. And yet we know that the meal that he's referring to is not a meal that he had with them after his resurrection. And that even though the the kingdom was inaugurated, this is an expression of the kingdom of God on earth now. Right? The kingdom of God is inaugurated, but it is not to its fullness. The kingdom is yet future. There is a meal that we are waiting for that is yet future. Right? The marriage supper of the Lamb. But friends, when we eat this meal, we anticipate that future meal and that future and full kingdom. A kingdom where we won't have to examine our hearts and our minds before we come and partake of the meal. A kingdom in which there will be sin no more. A kingdom in which we will sit with Jesus Christ and we will eat with a friend face to face. But not only with the Lord, but also together, amen, unhindered by sin. In the fullness of God's kingdom, For all eternity, this is what we anticipate when we come and eat of this meal. This is what we partake of when we come and eat of this meal. So friends, when you eat this meal, you're anticipating a future kingdom. And in many ways, participating in it as well. But all said and done... We set out this morning, what happens when we eat this meal? What do we think of it when we come to it? This is what happens. We eat the bread, his body, and drink the cup, his blood. And we wait for our future final feasting with him. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious and most merciful God, we thank you for your word this morning. 
Lord God, speak to us. Inform our mind, our hearts. Lord, with our senses, when we partake of this meal. Lord God, help us to regard it for what it is. Not to, to take it lightly, but Lord, reverently. And with much hope of your grace intended therein and of the future kingdom where we will feast with you forever. Lord, help us. Lord God, we believe. Help our unbelief. And be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.